we will proceed no further in this business. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Has it slept since? And wakes it now to look so green and pale, and what it did so freely? Very peace. I dare do all that may become a man. You dare do more as none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you dost do it, then you are a man. We should fail. We fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place, and will not fail. Welcome to the Scottish Film, a podcast that's not about Scottish films. I'm Chris Old. I'm Katie Maiden. We are still in those sleazy 80s, and we are six whole seasons into BBC television Shakespeare when they finally decided to adapt Macbeth. That's so crazy. I would have, I when you said that we were going to do this like season one, I assume Macbeth would be in the first season, maybe yeah. even the first play they did. But no, <laughs> season six, episode two, after Cymbeline. After Cymbeline, <laughs> yeah. I want one of our listeners to tell me what the fuck Cymbeline is about. <laughs> Seriously, right I in. want one person to stand up. <laughs> Jack Gold, if you're out there, the time is now because Jack Gold directed. <laughs> This, um, who is the director of the excellent Naked Civil Servant, starring the excellent uh, John Hurt, and he directed this film, starring Nicole Williamson and Jane Lapater. We will proceed no further in this business. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Has it slept since? And wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemst the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would, like the poor cat in the attic? I dare do all that may become a man who dares do more is none. What beast was then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you are a man. If we should fail... We fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place and we'll not fail. Mm, who looks a lot like Caitlin Stark. Yes, and also someone else who I, I still have not managed to pin down. <laughs> there was someone, I just kept, she's got one of those faces and I just kept looking yeah. at her thinking, you look so much like someone and I cannot place it. But yes, Caitlin Stark definitely is, is up there. Yeah. Uh, but so is Macbeth because he's on the stage, his hour upon the stage. How was it? How was it just as a film? How was it sort of cinematically speaking, staging and shooting um, and such? So it's quite simple. Yep. There's Two like sets, almost like four settings. There's like the Rolling Hills. Yep, Rolling Hills. And then the there's Heath, the castle. Which is the staircase with walls on either side. Yeah. And, and then f- there's the bedroom. You're right. Yeah. There's the bedroom. And, and then there's like a courtyard. Is that where um, Act Act Four, Scene Three happens with um, the the horrific the dreaded. Act Four, Scene Three? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, so there's pretty much like four places this happens in, and yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. They light it very well to imply yeah. other things, like that staircase doubles as like Macbeth's castle, his royal throne, mm. and I think maybe, just maybe, it might also be the courtyard, but really, really brightly lit. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, very good use of lighting, I'd say. Yeah, there's this... So the the staircase is like um like a grand uh, concrete staircase yeah. up to this concrete archway. Yeah, with these big imposing archway... pillars on either side. Well, not pillars, but like walls on either side. Whenever someone goes to go somewhere, anywhere, mm. yeah. <laughs> they go through this like 
archway. Yeah. So it's kind of that that must lead to like I don't know the big courtyard of the village or whatever. Yeah. Or something. But it's <laughs> it's quite a good use of like this magical archway, which like yeah. leads to wherever you want to go. <laughs> wherever you want to go, it's the sci-fi Macbeth we've all been waiting for. It's like the wardrobe. Why is there no sci-fi Macbeth? I can't believe this. I mean, I think there will be after we finish. There this. must be. When the god emperor of the universe is assassinated. <laughs> so one thing that I noticed right at uh-huh. the beginning. So I really like there was like a storm at the beginning, which is yes. this isn't the first time we've seen a storm at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it had thunder, lightning, rain. It all made sense with the witches. It was yep. nice. But the thing I really noticed at the beginning <laughs> was yeah. the speech from the messenger. So there's the messenger that comes that mm. the what bloody man is that? Messenger. Oh, the sergeant. Yeah. And. I've never seen it done with such passion before. Yeah, where he was good. like the speech was actually a really good opener. He was yeah. bleeding, he was like crying, he was shouting, he was clenching his fists, and I was like, <laughs> Wow, you know your fifteen minutes is here. <laughs> with his brandished steel which smoked with bloody execution, like Valor's minion carved out his passage till he faced the slave, which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the knave to the chaps. I have one scene and I'm going to milk it. <laughs> but was... it was a good opener because you got the Macbeth line, the, the yeah. brave Macbeth and, yeah. and all this like passion. And I really like that. Yeah. I think we did get good Sergeant once before from, um, the I think it was the first or second time it was Judith Anderson and Maurice Evans. There was a good Sergeant who gave it his all. Um, but yeah, it, it, speaking of the storm, it just occurs to me the witches are talking and like, when shall we meet again? In thunder, lightning and in rain? Well, that's now. Yeah, that's now. I mean, it's Scotland, so probably. <laughs> Maybe that was why the line. They were, Shakespeare was like, it was actually being really sarcastic. He was like, a thunderlining rain. Am I right, sisters? Am I right, Scotsman? Um, speaking of Scotsman, mm. I don't know if you notice this, but every now and again, you mm. get someone trying their best yeah, well, Banquo... to do a Scottish accent. <laughs> I think Banquo was doing a full-on Scott. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? In the name of truth, i.e. fantastical or that indeed which outwardly you show. I think. Subdued. No, he was not. He was doing a guy trying to do a full-on Scott. And then you get one monologue of Macbeth doing a full-on Scottish accent just for one monologue. Which one? And I was really confused. Do you remember which Um, one? The dagger, I think. Oh, right. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. How strange. I was so confused. I feel but like... yeah, so you got no proper Scots. I do. Well. No, no Scottish actors. We have an Irish actor, which who will come to, but I think... I think Scottish accent is a neat little piece of set dressing if you can do it well. You know, not mandatory, obviously. We all remember Orson Welles. But I think it it does sell the authenticity a bit if people are a bit Scottish. If you can manage it, if you can actually get a Scot, then I think it helps things along. Um, In terms of music, the only time I noticed music, I'm sure there was music, but Mm. was after the horror horror <laughs> yes that was unusual they had a bit of a musical interlude after he's rousing like, the house yeah. i was like this is spooky okay i see what you're doing <laughs> i i noticed the music earlier on because they've got weird sort of 70s thriller music over the opening credits disco macbeth <laughs> <laughs> i guess so but it's like a weird kind of tense political thriller going on here fantastic 
Um, subdued costumes. It's not a yeah. drab production, but it's not necessarily aesthetic- that aesthetically striking compared to others no, that we've it- seen. There, there's a couple of like red skies. Yeah. Yeah, and like you but know, if you compare it to like Bella Tar last week, where you had like these solid color lights that would come in and sort of really change how mm. things looked. Um, but there was some nice Celtic designs in the props and such. I like the way the yep. swords are all like the twisted snakes, you know, in the hilts and the pommels. And Macbeth's mm-hmm. um, throne, the carpet leading up the stairs to it has these nice sort of, um, I can't remember what it's called, but like really intricate designs, Celtic designs going up it. So yeah, some little bits and pieces to remind you it's Scotland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's Scotland. This is Scotland, everyone. There was a scene, um, act two, scene four, if you want to look it up, kids. Ooh. Where there's some just chatting going on, um, not much mm. like particularly interesting or whatever. Mm. But then you see like the witches are like watching from behind a wall. Did you uh, notice that? No, I didn't. And I really like that because it gives them so much agency. Yeah, and I love spooky. it when you it it's implied that the witches are like almost controlling the Act situation. Two. What's going on in that? Well, it was the old man talking to Ross. Oh, that scene where they're talking about how unnatural everything is. Yeah, so the witches are like, they're like peeking from behind a boulder. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I was like, hey girls. <laughs> I'm going to come to that scene later on, but yeah, that's really quite good and sinister. Oh, and, and one last thing for mm-hmm. me on the on the mm. general yep. is that uh, that small monologue that Banquo has, Yeah, which is during the... Before the um, before he goes off with Fleance, mm. I really like that. If there come truth from them as upon thee, Macbeth, their speeches shine. Why, by the verities on thee made good, may they not be my oracles as well, and set me up in hope. So this is the first ah. time that Banquo has kind of been in the forefront, and there's been a scene going on behind him. Mm. And you can kind of see his distress at the situation. Yeah, and so I really like that, and that. I like Banquo. He's one of my faves. So. Yeah, he was good. Ian Hogg played this uh, this Banquo, and yeah, he did a good job. Um, very authentic, I felt. Um, I liked the dueling. I felt like there was some good fights going on near the end. And Macbeth, the way he kills uh, Seward, he's kind of like playing with him before he kills mm-hmm. him. He's like, you know, oh, you're gonna up here. He's like moving his shield around. Like, where are you gonna attack? Over here. Over here? Yeah, he's Over there was here? a bit where he was just standing there, like, and what? <laughs> With his shield just like, in front of him, like, what are you what, doing? What are you what trying next? to achieve here? What next, buddy? The fucking king of Scotland. <laughs> are you of one of them? I think you probably are. Stab. <laughs> so, and then Macbeth again gets killed off screen, but in an interesting way. They're fighting, and it's getting more and more intense and intense and intense, and zooming in, and the actions are becoming less significant. And then hard cut to the gates being opened and everybody coming in. And we're told that Macbeth died shortly after that. So that's quite dramatic. Yeah, but he's like lying on the steps, isn't he? Yes, they come back in after that and he's just sort of yeah. lying there. Yeah. His um, head which... not cut off. And most productions have his head cut off. So, okay. fair is foul and foul is fair. How close are we to Shakespeare? In terms of dialogue, we are line for line Shakespeare. More or less. A couple of skips or less. here and there. Yeah. There, There's, um... I... 
think that this would be one of the ones where if you were teaching a class on Shakespeare, yeah, you could show this to your kids. They would be very bored because it's very long. Yep. But um, <laughs> they would get a pretty much line for line Shakespeare. Yeah, they would. And not, it... not like on the stage. So um, it might be a bit better for them aesthetically. Yeah, if you're trying to get the kids interested in Macbeth, it might not be the best one to go for. No. But if you've, if you've already managed that and now you need to do the work of actually getting them to learn the damn thing, then this is a pretty good one to go for because the lines are pretty much line for line i think every scene is represented except for the one that nobody wants to touch which is at the end of act three i think when the witches summon hecate um or hecate yeah we haven't seen a single nobody's done that and it's it's a whole scene in the play and nobody's done it yet it's very interesting i I think it's a it it just confuses people and it gives the witches less agency and in this one we've already given them more agency Mm. so why well, take it away? I notice they do make an allusion to a master in this one because when Macbeth is like, hey, give me another prophecy, they're like, okay, do you want to hear it from us or do you want to hear it from our master? And he's like, well, hear it from your master. And then they just have him stare into a pot and um, he hears a voice that gives him all of the all of the visions. Maybe uh, uh, they don't want to pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> is, Hecate, is Hecate a woman? Yeah, Hecate's a woman. Okay, that would be interesting. Yeah. Because although they do talk about Macbeth, I seem to remember the whole point of the scene is she comes out and scorns them for having given him these prophecies. Yeah, so, so they, they're just talking about Macbeth, yeah. so actually it doesn't pass the Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, some... Oh, and you know what? She had a female servant, but I'm trying to remember what they talk about. I'm pretty sure it's Justice Macbeth coming, or has Banquo left? Mm. Lady Macbeth, that is. Some overall structural change is very mild. But one of the interesting ones is Act 3, Scene 6, which is just after the banquet, um, a couple of people, including Lennox, have a chat. I think it's Lennox and a lord. And basically they just chat about, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> you know, he's he is yeah. going crazy. And where's Macduff anyway? And they're like, oh, he's fled to England. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. But they've moved <laughs> that from there to just after Macbeth gets his second prophecy. Um, which makes sense because Macbeth is getting his prophecy when suddenly Lennox shows up and Macbeth is like, where did the witches go? And he's like, witches? Oh, never mind. Anyway, where's Macduff? So everyone just wants to know where Macduff is. And for some reason he hasn't told him, even though he knew, you know, a whole act ago. I think it makes sense. It's a good, it's a good move. And it means that Lennox and the Lord were like talking before Macbeth um, arrived on scene and it gives them a bit of a inner life, which is good. I'm not a big fan of Macduff in this version. I don't know what it was. He just oh. really didn't affect me in this one. Now that is interesting because I've singled out Macduff. I really mm. liked him. <laughs> uh, we have different visions of Macduff maybe in I our guess heads. so. Because the scene where Macduff is being told his family are dead was like the most affecting scene for me. And I must be from them. My wife. Killed. I have said be comforted. Let's make us medicines of our great revenge to cure this deadly grief. He has no children! Like when he's like really struggling to hold it together and he's just like I've seen, Yeah, we have seen that before. We have, but it really got I me this just, time. Maybe it was his physique. Yeah, he's, like, a little, he, he's a little guy. He's like He reminds me a bit of Gimli. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know what it did it for me, but I, just did, okay. I thought he was a bit like... I don't know, dead in the eyes was just like a normal guy and I don't see Macduff being that way. I see him being more like um, commanding. Hmm, interesting. Mm. Um, We we arrive back at Act 4, Scene 3 and it occurs to me that one of the worst things about it is its placement 
Because it's <laughs> right there as we're trying to build up to a climax, you know? Macbeth has just had his second prophecy. We've just killed the Macduff family. Everything's falling to shit now. We're about to have Ross come in and tell them that the family's dead, which is going to be a huge dramatic scene. And we have a lengthy scene where Malcolm decides to like play a practical joke on Macduff. And one thing that stood out to me this time was how Macduff is not okay with this. He's like, haha, I was just lying about being a terrible king to see if you would stand by me even if I was a terrible king. And Macduff's like, that's not okay. I don't know if I believe you. I think maybe you are just a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Which might explain the ending a bit. So let's come to that now. The ending is a bit different. I liked it. I liked it. So basically, there's a whole load of people and Malcolm does his little speech at the end and he says, you are now all earls instead of thanes. Yep. And, um, you know, goes to kind of put the, the crown on his head and he turns around and Fleance has come back. Yeah. And he is kind of walking upstairs looking at Beth and then looking at Malcolm and looking at Beth looking at Malcolm and that makes you think about how you know yeah. Banquo's you know the the thing that Banquo knew was that his sons were going to become kings exactly that's what's been and, prophesized and we still don't quite know how that's going to happen yeah so that prophecy is still in the back of yeah. of the story it's still it's almost like there could be a sequel with Fleance sure and it's why it would have made so much more sense in the tragedy of Macbeth if Fleance had been the one to get his prophecy you know at the very end because at the end I think it's Donald Bane for some reason yeah it's randomly so, Donald Bane yeah even though we know that eventually Fleance is going to be king and all of his sons are going to be so maybe we don't know it that's could true be that, remember that it could be that Macbeth made his prophecy happen yeah um, so, but I only really liked the ending because it it gives it more like mm. less happy ending and more oh shit ending. Yeah, and everyone loves an oh shit ending. Everyone loves a what's going on ending, and it's better than the sort of slightly weird, ambiguous ending to the Royal Shakespeare Company, where just the crown gets handed around and nobody seems to want it. Yeah. Um. Okay, I've already said. Yeah, my note here: excellent Macduff. So <laughs> that's Tony Doyle. But I also really like Lady Macduff, Jill Baker. Um, yeah, she was hot. <laughs> she was hot. She and... was good too. She was good. Yeah, she held her own. And she was quite sassy with her kid, which I liked. My father is not dead. For all you're saying. Yes, he is dead. How wilt thou do for a father? Nay, how will you do for a husband? Why, I can buy me twenty at any market. Then you'll buy them to sell again. Thou speakst with all thy wit. Like. Yeah, her, her lines are mm. quite sassy. They are. Because she's like, your she, your father is dead to me. Like, <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a I traitor. Could get a, I could get a new husband in the market. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So she can, you, she can be played like sassy. Yeah, and it worked really well. And the Macduff slaughter was really horrible this time. There's implied that the way that they kill, like, little kid Macduff is that one soldier gets his sword out and another soldier throws the kid onto it. Oh, Which is so grim. So grim. Oh, God. But not as grim as the tragedy of Macbeth. So. <laughs> Fair on enough. The, on the grim scale, it's That's not true. Like at the back. <laughs> yeah, but usually they kill off Fleance in a slightly more... Not Fleance, sorry. Um, the son of Macduff a slight a bit more conspic- inconspicuously. It's just like... In fact, in tragedy of Macbeth, he gets stabbed without us realising. Like He just walks forward and he's like, oh, he's killed me. And then he falls over and you see that the guy's got a bloody knife. And this, they're just mm. chucking him around for ages. Like, really bullying him before they kill him? It's, oh, man. <laughs> Upsetting. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, let's get into some of our regular segments. Extra ghosts. No ghost. No ghosts. No Banquo. Not for Banquo. And no, yep. no cauldron ghosts either. No, we just see him looking into a pot and see his face. And um, for Banquo, we just get like a zoom in of a creepy looking chair. Yeah, empty <laughs> chair. Though the empty chair was creepy. It was. Yeah. But it, was, it wasn't a ghost. No, no ghost. Now, Ross's poker face. <laughs> oh very, my god. Very dismissive, I thought. It's like, I'm here to talk to Malcolm. But how's my family? Yeah, fine. Just How does my wife? Why, well. And all my children? Well, too. The tyrant has not battered at their peace. No, they were well at peace when I did leave them. He's talking to Malcolm. Yeah. And then Madoff is behind him. Yeah. And Madoff's like, how my family? And so he has to turn his head every time he says <laughs> yeah, his line. each time. So he's like, fine, turn back. How my children? For, uh, well, also, turn back. <laughs> and it's like... Tyrant did not batter at their peace? No, they're fine when I left them. They were good when they left them, and then turns back again, and it's like, he just doesn't want to look at him. Yeah. Because, obviously, like, he has to tell him that his family's dead. Yeah. And again, I still don't understand what Ross's motivation for not telling him straight guess... away is. Yeah, it's very strange. I guess he just doesn't so want to get into it, and, is rather, and would rather talk lackadaisically and whimsically about how Scotland is a country that no longer knows itself. It's very strange. Yeah. Other strange thing I noticed this time, uh, according to Duncan, he is the Thane of Ross. So that's not his name. It's the you know where he comes. Oh. It's like when they refer to the guy as Glams at the beginning. Oh shit! I just thought his name was Ross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Malcolm and you know other people, but no, apparently he is the Thane of Ross. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> We're going to pick um, up on little things like this as we go. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that I'm now mouthing along to the words. So. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We're going to put on a production of this afterwards. Just you and me. Play all the characters. <laughs> we can play everyone. I'm going to be the sassiest porter. And here we are, porter speech. Surly. Here's an English tailor. Come hither for stealing out of a French hose. Oh, come in, tailor. Here you may roast your goose. No, no, never it quiet. What are you? Yeah, he was um, he was funny because he like was walking towards the gate and you could see um, Macduff like yeah, yeah. behind the gate. Yeah, and he uh, he paused like every time. Yeah, to like, his little lines. They knocked again. He was like, "No, I'm coming, but I'm not coming at your pace. I'm coming at my pace." I'm yeah, every time water. you knock, I'm not coming. And that's why maybe it's, that's why I found the pause scene really horrifically tense this time. Like, because he's, like, yelling at them when they're, like, right there. It's like, knock, knock, who is it for in the devil's name? And it's like, dude, he's there. Keep your voice down. You're just a servant. He's going to actually kill you. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked mad as well. He was mad. Macduff <laughs> looked mad. He roughed him up a bit on the way in. Yeah, because sometimes Macduff's like, ho, ho, a porter, let's have a drink. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes Macduff's like, get out of my way, I've got to wake the king. <laughs> sometimes it's like, her, you've been carousing. And sometimes it's like, have you been carousing? <laughs> is that why you didn't open the door you useless thing that's like me and matt sometimes i'm like have you been drinking and sometimes it's like you've been drinking so yeah it depends on the mood i'm the porter in this situation oh i just love the fact that after macbeth r- rides off and the du- leaving duncan macbeth is like i'm gonna go home and get everything ready for you so you follow me um which is so suspicious <laughs> it's just i don't know if i was hanging out with some mates and then it was like Oh, let's go back to your house. Oh, yeah, great. Tell you what, let me go on ahead. And then you follow behind. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. And then he just runs as fast as he can. I mean, that it's like be... he's going to hide his pawn. <laughs> I assume that's what Duncan assumed that Beth was off to do. But... Uh, he's probably just going to hide his pawn. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> he's fine. But after Macbeth rides off, Dun- again, again, it's it's sweet poor lamb Duncan and his naivete. But just more lines after Macbeth has gone off d- dedicated to how great Macbeth is. Just, yeah, God, he's a uh, good guy. Love Macbeth. And I noticed that during the um, the scheming, Macbeth, um, Duncan was very kingly in this one, I thought. Yes, he was. He I was, liked Duncan. Yeah, he was a good Duncan. And I, I really liked how sad it was after the um, we shall go no further in this business scene. We they walk back into the party and just right we zoom right in on just smiling happy Duncan. Oh, he's so naive. Aww. Such a poor little lamb. Um, one thing I <clears throat> liked, one well, my standout, not my standout scene, but something that I was I thought about, which I haven't really paid much attention to. Ah. Maybe it's because I've thought about every other scene in the stand play. <laughs> um, Act three, scene five, which is the scene where Macbeth is talking to the murderers. And yes. saying, you know, it was Banquo who who um, had your misfortune. So yeah. in, in this one, I really thought about, hang on a second. He says, it was Banquo who gave you the, all this misfortune, not our innocent self. Mm. So actually, Macbeth has been a bad guy before this. Mm. Because he is blaming Banquo for something that was his fault. Huh. Probably. Yeah. You because know he says, you thought it was me, but actually it was Banquo. <laughs> Unless these you know. two are just villains, because we don't—I don't think we get sort of the nature of the complaint. It might have no. been that these are just two criminals, and Macbeth, you know, brought them to justice in some way in the past. And he said, "Oh no, that wasn't me. That was Banquo who did you dirty, you know." And now all you have to do is do this other thing for me. And yeah, it was—I—I I also weirdly decided before I started the film, I'm going to pay more attention to that scene because I don't quite get how Macbeth enrolls them. He doesn't pay them. He, like, convinces yeah. them that Banquo but, is their enemy. I mean, he is the king of Scotland. He is, yeah. And in this one, they did seem quite hesitant, didn't they? They were yes. like, we are men, really, do we have to kill Banquo? Like, yeah. I've got other shit on, so... <laughs> um, okay, a bit that stood out to me. Uh, the fact... Uh, uh, there's a scene that is so often omitted. It's probably one of the most omitted scenes along with the he- Hecate thing. After the murder of Duncan, and after um, Donald Bain and... Oh, other son... Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm, right. Once they fled, we sometimes have a scene where, oh, who is it now? I think it's Ross and an old man are just meeting out in the countryside and they have a chat about stuff that's going on and the subject that they talk about is how nature is going crazy. Yeah, this is the scene where you see the witches that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's strange because they talk about how the days are darker and he saw like an owl killing a larger bird. And also, Duncan's horses have apparently started eating each other. Yeah, and I was like, who is this old man? He doesn't come up dude. again. He's just like some random <laughs> Scottish old man. Weirdly, he had like sunglasses, I guess to imply that he's blind. In uh, Not in this version, in the um, Ian McKellen version. He was yeah. wearing like sunglasses and looked kind of like a jazz musician. And in the play, I looked up and his name <laughs> is just Old Man. Yeah. Yeah, he is just old man. I guess it's just <laughs> <Sorry>. like <laughs> I guess Ross is just chewing the fat with some bloke he met on the street. But when you have like more people, it makes uh, makes a lot of plays or, or TV shows or whatever yeah. more believable because you know the world is full of just random yeah. people. World building, yeah. yeah. But it did make me think. It made me think of another story in which um, someone bad becomes king and suddenly everything goes terrible, even things that reasonably a king shouldn't have any control over, like the weather. Um, yeah. And I suddenly thought, huh, that's based on Shakespeare as well. Are we covering that? 
but then realised it's not based on Macbeth, it's based on Hamlet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, remind me. Disney's The Lion King is what I'm thinking of. Oh, yes, of course. And so I just thought for a moment, no, that's, that's Macbeth, because Scar yeah, is like no, killing is the king. It is Hamlet, but that made me suddenly realise, huh, Hamlet is kind of Macbeth from the perspective of Fleance slash Malcolm. Actually, yeah, more specifically Malcolm. Yeah, kind of, except there's Ophelia. And... Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's yeah. more aspects to it. Yeah, and there's, it's like five hours long. <laughs> it's, it's also five hours long, and he goes to England for no reason. For no, um, and, well, there's amazing uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, <laughs> the two weirdest characters in any Shakespeare play, <laughs> but then taken by Tom Stoppard to make my okay. favourite play of all time. So, oh my god. So it was necessary. Absolutely. So- to make <laughs> me happy. <laughs> also them being around leads to one of my favorite soliloquies in all of um all of shakespeare which is the uh sort of mandalite's not me thing which nice. i just love so yeah we're not doing the lion king unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> it's Shit. a shame. maybe there's another disney that's based on toy story is that based? oh my <laughs> god <laughs> a bug's life is seven samurai <laughs> and that was directed by kira kurosawa who did front of blood so no we can't so bug's life <laughs> bugs so bug's life basically Oh, that was it. It was such a husband and wife interaction that they had, where just after the, um, is it, I think it's after the feast, after Macbeth has had his freak out and Lady Macbeth is kind of settling down, and Macbeth's just like, where is Macduff? And she's like, did you invite him? You know, not quite like that, because she's still kind of traumatized, but that was such a sort of old couple kind of, how come he didn't come? Did you actually invite him? Did you remember to invite him? Did you? Oh, shit. Show me your phone. Show me your phone. <laughs> I did, honest. He was a maybe on Facebook. <laughs> that means yes. He's in not my coming. Book. He's not coming. <laughs> yeah, it means not coming. Travel up the consequences. Did they show the murder? No. Nah, they didn't. Uh, okay, so what bloody man is that? Macbeth, performed Macbeth. by Nicole Williamson. How did you find him? Um. Yeah. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. It's full of sound and fury. Signifying? Nothing. Well, you can tell from my um that he yeah. wasn't super affecting, was he? No. He wasn't, like, terrible, but he wasn't... But he just wasn't anything special. No. He was a little bit older. He, he is, yeah. Um, he had a good moustache. <laughs> he um, did have a very good moustache, I'll give that I was kind him. of just sick of him by the end, because this, this one is so long. It's so long, and... Um, he's... I was just kind of sick of him by the end, but I didn't hate him. No, I found him quite dull a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, especially es- Especially before the murder. And it's easy for Macbeth to be dull before the murder when he's all angsty and such, but I just couldn't engage with him. And then afterwards, he was a bit hammy. In places. He was very good at looking, very good at looking bamboozled. You know, when they give him the prophecy, he did a very good, oh. He's a bit like, I don't know, maybe he realised halfway through shooting that he's the main character. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, he starts to like ham it up a bit. And I was like, yeah. oh no, you went there. I, there's Ugh. a couple of bits he did well. I, I liked him irritable quite well. Like when the doctor comes up and, she, and, and you know, it's like, oh, she's got a real problem. And he's just like, oh, cure of that. You know, he does the yeah. irritable delivery of that part. Yes, I, I actually um, made a note of, yeah, his reaction to the, the queen dying mm. yeah. is a complete brush off. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's that line where it's like, she should have died. Died hereafter. In... Yeah. Yeah. Um, later on kind of thing and some people play it really sad and some people play it like she should have had more days and he was yeah. like oh she should have died another day yeah like, he brushed it off so it's kind of almost like he doesn't care anymore <laughs> and that is one way to play it it's not my favorite yeah. way to play it but sure <laughs> yeah there's one way to play it there's one way to play it just oh, should have died hereafter and then maybe thinks about it a bit um though so, uh pet peeve um no yep. dagger no floating yes. dagger which is thank good. god <laughs> That is good, and I liked I liked him doing crazy at the end. Like when he's um, happened upon by Seward, he's just kind of got his sword in the ground and is like walking around in circles. Yeah, what was that? That was very odd. That was like a weird kind of angsty caged animal style thing that I found quite interesting. Yeah, and um, what's his name? C Seacon. Uh, who? The one who... Seaton. Oh, Seaton, yeah. Yeah, Seaton in this is kind of hot. I don't know if you know. Yeah, a little hot. <laughs> he was a little hot, and I was like, hey, Seaton, what's up? <laughs> he had some Dilf vibes, I found. He was a young man, but I still got the Dilf vibes from his salt and pepper yes. hair and short, uh-huh. short haircut. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. feeling it. Speaking of erotic, let's talk about the serpent under it. Let's rate that Lady Macbeth, Jane Lapater, who I found very saucy in her first scene, where she's mm-hmm. like, unsex me, you know, because she needs to... Can be, be unwomanly in her convincing her husband to, to commit murder. Come, sick night, and pour thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, hold, hold. Yeah, there was something kind of orgasmic in that scene. She was, like, um, visibly tired afterwards. Yeah, in general, I really liked Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was really good. She uh, Again, she reminded me a bit of Caitlin Stark. Yeah. Not just in her appearance, but also in the way that she was very, like, commanding of the kind of yeah, yeah. scene that she was in. Um, mm. She, yeah, she was very, like, sexual in that first scene. Yeah. Also, I found over time that I wasn't so shocked by the sleepwalking scene. She gets a head start on crazy. She does. She's pretty yeah. much crazy from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and as soon as the murder happens, she's barely holding it together. She comes out and she says something like, what have made them drunk have made me bold. And then an owl shrieks and she's like, what was that? That which has made them drunk has made me bold. What has quenched them has given me fire. Like, and it's yes. very obvious that like it's just Absolutely. a facade. Yeah. I I totally love that because I was like, great. I see <laughs> you getting progressively crazier. And when they're putting the the crowns on, yeah, she looks terrified. She looks yeah. like, what have we done? This is not okay. Like yeah. her face is is completely like, I'm gonna mm. go crazy. And I was like, yes, yeah, this is what I want. I want to see it. <laughs> go downhill in a slow motion not in like a rapid motion exactly so yeah that's i really like that about her hell is murky fie my lord fie a soldier and a feared what need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him do you mark that and it was very interesting how they drive a wedge between her and Macbeth almost as soon as the murder's been done. I mean, even earlier, potentially. But one scene from Bellatar's Macbeth last week 
was that in the scene after... Well, it's the scene where he tells her that he's going to kill Banquo, essentially, but, you know, better you don't know about it. Um, in, that was very intimate in Tar's version. It was very much a case of, oh, God, everything's gone wrong. And she's like, yeah. But he's like, anyway, I've, <laughs> I've got to keep doing stuff. Um, but it's probably better at this stage if you just don't know about it. And that's, like, the thing that causes the schism. Because it's like, oh, God, what have I created? Here, he's very brusque with her during that sequence. Yes. He's, yeah, he's just like, you don't need to know about this. I'm the king now. You know, your part in all this is done. You just look pretty and enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy she kind queen. of like, at the beginning, it's like she's controlling it. And yeah. then as it spirals out of control, she has no control anymore. And that's what kind of drives her crazy. Yeah. And you can totally see that. You can see that she, that's how she was going to play it. in this kind of like, oh, my control has gone. Therefore, I'm going crazy. And it would yeah. have been better if we'd just stayed like where we were. We didn't need this. He's, yeah. my husband's a totally different person. Exactly, yeah. And I just loved it. I thought she was great. <laughs> she was really great. She was a MILF also, wasn't she? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. She was a little... Like, they were a little bit older, but a little they bit older, weren't, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, she was still, like, a total MILF. A la MILF. A Lady Macbeth, I'd like to... <laughs> 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 um, okay, well, speaking of MILFs... Oh, not quite. Weirdest sister, the witches. <laughs> These are, we're heading into Gilf territory. Wilf? Wilf? <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, they were pretty spooky. They were they mainly were right. spooky because of the atmosphere around them. So the, yeah. the thunder and lightning and rain. And the, they had like cool big ass costumes. It was yeah. more like they were just like old creepy ladies as opposed to like yeah. witches. They didn't have like big noses or warts or anything. No, they had spooky hands. They had creepy made up <laughs> dried crispy looking hands. Like a like a, a deadite from the Evil Dead or something. I do but... find hands pretty, pretty, um, <laughs> yeah, terrifying. No, uh, they didn't, no, no hot witches. So. No hot witches this time. No. What's the shame? <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were they were kind of they were fairly effective. I don't think they're going to rank up there in terms of like frightening witches. Yeah, it played into the sort of faintly humorous aspect of the witches because they are slightly absurd in their in yeah. their nature. Mm-hmm. Which um, yeah, we didn't get a, a cool haunting song that I've been humming to myself all week. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, okay, he needs not our mistrust. Now this is interesting. A third murderer. Mm-hmm. It's Satan again. Yes, Seton. it is. Sorry, it is, uh, he pronounces it Seton. Some people say Satan, but this one's Seton. Um, he is there, and he kills the other two murderers on the scene. Yeah, it's weird. So they're yeah. like, who sent you? And he's like, Mokabeth. Yeah. Okay, he knows who sent us, so we should probably let him join us. And then they kill Banquo, and Fleance runs away. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, all right, well, let's report back what we did manage to do. And fucking Satan just kills them both. Satan, he just... I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, so, I guess like, so. Yeah, Macbeth is like, you know what? I've sent these two guys. They're probably pretty incompetent. Let them yeah. do the dirty work and then kill them. Yeah. So they don't... So the only person that knows about it is you and me. Yeah. But we just don't get that scene where yeah. Macbeth tells him to do that. So that's yeah. just an interpretation of what's happened here. Sure, it makes sense. I mean, they do kill off the two assassins in The Tragedy of Macbeth, too. And in that one, Third Murderer was also playing a part. Only the third murderer in that one was Ross. That was really dark, where they just, like, yeah, drowned those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very quick stab-up. So, in conclusion, I think it's a perfectly fine adaptation, but I guess by now, and I know we're trying to do this as if it's the first time watching it, but I guess I'm just looking for more innovation at this stage. Yes, so there's there was nothing mm. new in original. No. There were some good performances, especially Lady yep. Macbeth. 
Um, and yeah. I, like I said, it's almost word for word the same. So if you're wanting yeah. to not read the play and watch a film instead, then obviously you could go with this. But it's it's not very inspiring. You're not gonna no, bit long and want flat. to go out and watch. I don't know. For example, twenty four um, different <laughs> versions of yeah. the play. I'm so glad we started on Orson Welles. If we hadn't started this enterprise of ours on um, Orson Welles Macbeth, this could have been a very grim prospect from the off the bat. And I would have been like, "What made you break this enterprise to me?" <laughs> it was um, <laughs> the BBC, BBC television yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to a charmed life, Katie Shakespeare fact. Katie Shakespeare fact. Okay, so, um, Paul, have you ever heard of the Lost Years of Shakespeare? So um, there's this little thing called the Lost Years, and the Lost Years are 1585 to 1592, when nobody, nobody in the world knows where Shakespeare was. Wow. For these seven years. So that's seven (laughs) years where we don't know what he was doing. So there's all sorts of historical like mm. things that that historians have thought about one of them is that he was in europe because he came back and re- wrote a couple of plays that were based in europe ah. um one is that he was a teacher one is that he was went off to study the law mm-hmm. um we don't actually nobody knows and there's it's just crazy that nobody wow. knows but of course that's how it is sometimes with history you know if there's if you're not like a nobleman sometimes there's no documentation sure of where you were because you weren't involved in like legal proceedings or written letters or mm. anything like that or if for example Shakespeare's plays if he, if there was a gap you might not know where he was so for those yeah. 7 years we don't know where he was um and if anybody has any information <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen this man what were those years again 1585 to 1592 Okay. Well, he married Anne Hathaway in 1582. Yes, but we don't know where he was. So there is, there is actually like, Mm. we think that maybe he actually like left her, went to Europe for a bit. Yeah. And then came back. How interesting. Yeah. I wonder what he was up to. Yeah. I think think the most plausible explanation is Mm. he was in Europe because that's seven years. Mm. You would think that somebody would have seen him in, in England in seven years. Um, mm. So it's probably like in Europe, maybe, I don't know, working or traveling, writing. Yeah. And, you know, then he came back and wrote plays that were set in Europe. So he was working yeah. as a merchant in Venice and, <laughs> a, and as a winter's tale in Bohemia. And a gentleman in Vienna. <laughs> Ver- Verona, not Vienna. Verona. Um, okay. So where can people find out more about Katie? They can find out more about me. On Twitter at KateWritesFout or Instagram at KateWritesFout mm. um, or my blog, KateWritesFout.com. I also have another podcast, which is a history podcast called Have You Ever Heard Of? Where we talk about people from history that you may or mm. may not have heard of. So you can check out those things. What about you? I am still doing stuff here on Screen Mayhem. Uh, or you can look at One Good Thing. If you just type OGT pod into almost anything, you will get you will find us. We have our Patreon, and we are using the lockdown to generate a tremendous amount of Patreon content. So check us out <laughs> there and listen to me and Paul reenact Fifty Shades of Grey, which is what everybody wanted. I can't handle that. I can't handle it. <laughs> it is pretty steamy. <laughs> Honestly, there was something in the last one we did which might be the funniest thing I've ever written. I know that's really super um, arrogant to say out loud, but it's my favourite thing I've written, I think. Wow. I definitely have to check that out then because... (laughs) And it's steamy. 
I've known you a long time now, and that's that's a big that's a big statement. Okay, something a bit different next week. I'm relieved to say, uh, we are watching a French film of Verdi's opera of Macbeth. <gasps> oh yeah. my god, are we? Early Verdi. <laughs> of course, I didn't realize that was going to rhyme when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it is apparently early Verdi, but and it's Hurdy Gurdy. Uh, but yeah, we are getting super classy up in here. So nice excited until then away and mock the time with fairy show false face must hide what the false heart doth know bye so long